Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud here to do the Syracuse preview tonight, uh, 3.30 kick. We'll uh, jump into where we think Florida State may have an end and are at advantage and also uh, talk about some of the strengths uh, and where they are on Syracuse's roster. As always, want to thank our friends at New Iberia, Louisiana. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. The title sponsor of the Nolcast, Louisiana Hot Sauce, a tip of the hat to them. And with that, Bud, let's uh, jump into tonight's preview. Yeah, let's get into it, man. Uh, sponsored by Louisiana Hot Sauce, as you mentioned. Uh, 3.30 game. You'll have to check your TV listings to find out what channel it's on. I think it's one of those regional deals. And uh, Florida State is favored by 10 points over Syracuse, which I think might shock a lot of Florida State fans if you saw them play last weekend. But at the same time, they uh, roughly met expectations in that game. I mean, the, the line was like one-point favorite, one-point dog throughout most of the week. And ended up losing by two. Uh, and 59 and a half uh, is your total. So the uh, projected score, if you want to do a little math here, is basically 35-25 uh, by Vegas. So interesting there. Uh, typically, people do not score 25 points in a football game. Um, that's a, a weird number to get to, but it's certainly possible. Uh, what do you say we start with the – well, I mean, pretty important game here, right, for, for Willie Taggart. If you get this win – I think you're feeling a lot better about going to a bowl because then all you got to do is split Miami and DC. Yeah, um, you you don't ever want to make a game out to more than it is, but it uh, it feels like there's an awful awful lot riding on this game, and uh, we won't go into the same conversation we did last time. But uh, as far as the ramifications of of losses and looking at all the things to weigh out, but uh, you feel like you're really kind of at a risk of. Uh, of just having everything kind of unravel on you and a win is uh is ever so desperately needed so why don't we start uh where uh florida state's offense has been at strength and why don't we kind of examine that area as we take an overall look at uh at what saturday might bring yeah so with wake forest you're going to get a four-two-five defense um they have some some pretty good players on this defense and it's the players who are are, are simply you know kind of weaknesses. Uh, Andre Cisco is, is a really is a name y'all will need to know at the free safety position. Um, and as we'll talk about here in a second, they got some pretty good guys on the defensive ends, which if you were paying attention last year uh, or have listened to any episode this season uh, or in the off season, you would have known they have really good defensive ends. This was one of the games that we highlighted as one of the ones we were really scared about because we don't think Florida State can block them. If you, if you recall, like I, they, I went back and listened, they were one of them. Uh, now, Florida State, I think we both are probably going to pick a Florida State win here, uh, except for other reasons, not because we feel that FSU can all of a sudden uh, block Syracuse. So some important numbers here. So let's get started with some of these main stats before we go into the specific matchups. Florida State's offense, 42nd, uh, and kind of kind of falling, right, uh, on a weekly basis. So they, they were in the 20s. For a little bit, and then teams kind of started to figure out some things they could exploit. And in some cases, I think Florida State may be able to make some adjustments to those. But in other cases, I'm not so sure. Uh, they, they may just have to live with some of these uh, issues. Cuse's D is 49th. So a pretty even matchup here between Cuse's defense and Florida State's offense. Uh, success rate, Florida State 89th. As we know, FSU is not consistent at all with that. But uh Cuse's success rate defense, 47th, so advantage Cuse there on a down-to-down basis. Uh, however, let's flip the script. Florida State explosive plays, 40th. Cuse defense, 
uh, 116th in the nation in explosive plays allowed. That is not really uh, a winning formula uh, for, for Syracuse. So uh, Syracuse is a team that is largely going to dare you to uh, beat them over the top and hit explosive plays on them. They also had some real uh, communication issues at, at times in the back end. And, well, we'll have to see if Florida State can do that. The numbers certainly suggest, uh, dude, that, that they can. Uh, and then finally, finishing drives. Pretty evenly matched here. Florida State's been 50th when, they, when they've gotten inside the 40 with the first down. Ingram, you might have guessed, but this number dropped a little bit last week uh, after, after that, that showing at Wake Forest where they only had like 3.3 points per possession against Wake uh, once they got in to, inside the 40. Uh, Wake, Cuse's defense is 60th. So what we have here overall is Florida State's O and Cuse's D are pretty evenly matched. Big advantage for Cuse on a down-to-down basis. Huge advantage to Florida State on a success or on, on an explosive play basis. And once they get inside the red zone, uh, they're they're both okay. Nothing special, really. With that, I, I'd say we should probably get to the uh, the matchups personnel. Yeah, you already kind of mentioned it, but it's it's worth circling back. And certainly, it doesn't you know you don't have to take a. Uh, a just kind of glancing look at their roster to see the the strengths is very much at the defensive end and it's something that we've known about all year at the beginning of the year we maybe talked about the defensive uh, line as a whole as it's uh, gone through we've more realized that they're the real legitimate strengths and probably the best pair of ends in the conference uh, still reside in uh, upstate New York so uh, Alton Robinson Kendall Coleman two guys that uh, were very much the definition of kind of the draft day highlight uh, reel that Bud and I will occasionally uh, mock to soothe the pain that is the inadequate nature of uh, those that line up on the outside of the line for Florida State. So uh, <laughs> just making money left and right with these highlights. But uh, anyways, Alton and Robinson, or excuse me, Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman, two names you know, two names you'll know even better after Saturday. But uh Let's move on from there, acknowledge that again, and maybe look at a little bit how uh, how the run game overall could be impacted. Yeah, so uh, Florida State's run game this year is 94th in the country overall. Cuse's run defense is 50th, uh, which suggests that Cuse's defense should be able to shut down the run pretty well. Uh, on a situational basis, I've been a little bit um, – a little bit encouraged by by some of the running that some teams have been able to do. I thought Pitt did a pretty good job to, to get the edge against Cuse uh, last week. Uh, some of Cuse's run defense, I, I think, is related to how aggressive they are on defense, and, and they I mean they they want to come after you, uh, and as a result, they they do end up getting you know a, a decent number of of stuffs and tackles for loss, etc. Uh, occasionally they will give up the, the explosive run, uh, which honestly is kind of the only thing run game-wise that Florida State's any good at. So you might see a bit of an advantage there. I, I do wonder, like, can Florida State get, get a push in the middle in this game? Uh, Syracuse is not that big on the interior. You have Kenneth Ruff, who's a senior, he's 308, and then Josh Black, who's made a lot of tackles for loss for them. He's kind of more of a quick tackle. Uh, he, he's 270. So Florida State does have a, a legitimate um, – size advantage on, on the interior here. We'll have to see how Andrew Baselli plays if he does indeed start over Bavion Johnson, who's returning from injury. Uh, but Florida State's going to have to find some way to run the ball some in this game, and I have real concerns about their ability to do it off the edge because you have Washington and Roberts going up against uh, Robinson and Coleman, and I think that's advantage Cuse. And 
advantage cues and, and probably a, a major way. Like if you have Alton Robinson lining up over true freshman Washington uh, for Florida State, who I like for a true freshman, I don't think played that poorly against Wake Forest. It's, it's just a, a rather a commentary on uh, the, the state of the program right now. They have to have a kid like that playing uh, meaningful snaps for them. Uh, but you know, overall here, I'm 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 a little bit worried about, about the ability to, to to run the football. Although, I mean, some of these yards per carry numbers for for Qs do indicate that they they can be run on. Some teams have, have found some success running, like I said. You know, Pitt did, NC State a little bit. Um, Clemson actually ended up busting off some explosive runs against them, and that was interesting just because Syracuse was, was was really trying to trying to take that away. Um, but like, I don't think this run defense is quite as bad as like, as like their yards per carry indicate. Uh, they had the one game against Maryland, which was really, really sketchy. Uh, and, and Maryland, Maryland got them for, yeah, Maryland got them for, I think over 200 or almost 300 yards on the ground. Uh, but since then they, they seem to have improved that a good bit. I don't know if, that, if that's kind of a, a trait they still carry forward into this game, although Pitt got him a little bit, so we'll have to see if Florida State, you know, is able to run the ball there. Some Brady Scott expected to be healthy and a go at this point. Yeah, he he practiced, so I I assume he's he's going to be able to go unless something unless something changes there. Florida State is 116th in the nation in stuff rate allowed. Syracuse on defense, 34th in creating stuff, creating run stuff. So that's pretty solid uh, for Syracuse. So big check mark there. They do that a lot by shooting the gap, so I feel like Florida State is, is probably going to need to trade some uh, tackles for loss given up uh, for some uh, explosive runs. I don't know if you're going to just consistently stay in second and six, second and five all day uh, running the ball on first down against Syracuse. Uh, now, I, I do think you can kind of exploit some of these linebackers. Some of the angles they've taken have not been that great. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Florida State's able to to do something against the linebackers, particularly uh, number 46. I was watching him a little bit in the pit game. Some of the angles he takes are, are not real great. He's their middle linebacker. Uh, Lakeem Williams, I guess his name is, or, or, or Lakeem, one of the two. Uh, take your pick there on that one. I apologize to Lakeem or Lakeem if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, but I, I think that the, some of the angles they take are not that great, and, and this is something Florida State may be, able, may be able to exploit some with the run game. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that you talk about the push, and I was curious about Scott's health, and it'll it'll be real interesting to watch how Minshew responds to seeing action two weeks in a row, and if that big body can uh, can start to push people a little bit, and be great to uh, great to see if you ever really get any kind of production with him. And he done he doesn't exactly hide when he out when he's out there. That's a <laughs> that's a big damn human that uh, that stands out. So. Hopefully, is a big damn healthy human and somebody that can contribute, and this will be a little bit of a, a first test as to what, if anything, you can expect from him moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the pass game here a little bit. This is an area where Florida State uh, most likely has a, a legitimate advantage, and I know because everybody thinks Florida State's passing game is terrible, and certainly not having Ontario Wilson and Keyshawn Hilton, who are out with injury, uh, is not a good thing for us. Uh, but Florida State's passing game overall, 36th in the country. And Cuse's pass defense, 92nd 
That is not really good pass defense. This is one of the worst pass defenses Florida State will have seen uh, on the year. And, you know, you might say, hey, what was Wakes? I will pull it up for you right now. Wakes was uh, Wakes was about the same, actually. So, you know, Florida State has shown an ability to look like complete crap uh, against passing defenses, which are not any good. Wake did improve some after playing FSU, not shockingly. Uh, but I think the scenario you can exploit, we saw Pitt exploit it uh, some in the game. Here's some quick numbers for you before we get to some of the matchups here. Uh, short pass success rate. So basically, like on a down-to-down basis, how is Syracuse's pass defense? It's actually pretty solid. Uh, they're 47th. Florida State, in terms of that stat, is 79th. As we know, Florida State is not a consistent pass team. They don't they don't play pitch and catch real well. It's, it's more of the uh, big play hitting normally, although Wake Forest was – able to totally flip the script on them and and, uh, and were able to basically limit Florida State in the explosive pass game, which is largely why Wake won. I mean, that was the major deficiency for the Knowles in that one. But uh, explosiveness here, this is where Cuse really does seem to struggle. Uh, Florida State passing explosiveness, 60th in the nation now. Cuse, 101st. So they will give up the big play. It is up to you uh, to hit the big play. Florida State this year has been kind of hit or miss at doing that. Now, Cuse will also sack you. I don't know if you heard this. Like, you've heard all this stuff about uh, how Syracuse, they give up a ton of sacks if you've been watching any of like, the media reports this week, and that's true. But I actually think the bigger disadvantage is the Florida State O-line in terms of pass rush uh, against the Syracuse D-line. Florida State 102nd in sack rate allowed. Cuse is 23rd in sack rate on defense. That is a major problem. Mm-hmm. Florida State has not faced defensive ends this good this year. And uh, I would expect that whoever the quarterback is to be hit and hit a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the hundred and second in sack rate allowed, and uh, Cuse's twenty third in sack rate is is almost exactly mirrored in in the havoc rate as well. Florida State's one hundred and tenth in giving it up. Cuse is twenty fourth in causing it. Um, yeah, we something we've been talking about for months. This is a this is a pretty nasty matchup when it comes to uh, to the offensive line in general, but particularly when it comes to protecting a passer and trying to develop any kind of pass game. So I, I was looking at this. Um, Cuse's defense is kind of like weird in long down and distance. It's almost like if they don't get there, uh, then you really you're, you're able to. You're able to get them, and particularly, I don't mean like third down in the miles, so like not, not stuff like like third and and nine, but like in that sort of third and five to eight range, third maybe nine, but like not not third in a mile, but in that kind of third and five, six, seven, eight range, they're pretty bad, man. It was just kind of a quirky thing, and I think a lot of it is just communication issues. I don't think they play very good, uh, like matchup zone when they do go zone, and they're primarily a zone team. They're a really heavy zone blitz team. Uh, and yet, I, I sometimes I, I watch them, and I've tried to watch them several of their games here, and you wonder like why why doesn't Syracuse just drop seven and just rush four guys? I, I think that would be smarter in some cases because it's not like their coverage is really all that good. So the concerns here for us, and some of the optimism. Tamari and Terry should have a good game, I would think, a nice bounce back game, perhaps. Uh, Cuse does not really have great cornerbacks. Um, they're, they're fairly senior heavy uh, with, with with Foster and Frederick there, and, and two of their best, you know, two of their linebackers are also seniors. But I don't think they're playing necessarily like like a bunch of seniors at times. 
The worries, of course, uh, I'm not that worried about the interior of the offensive line, although a new center is – and I know they, I know Willie today said that Babion should be available, but we'll see on that. Um, the tackles are a legitimate concern, right? On the best day that Florida State's tackles could have, they're probably still getting embarrassed by this group. So you're going to have to find creative ways to to chip them, to limit them. Uh, you got to run them by the pocket, and and, and hopefully whatever, whoever plays quarterback ends up stepping up. Obviously, Willie Taggart said that he's riding with uh, with James Blackman on the, the Jeff Cameron show earlier this week. I know we have lots of questions about that uh, from, from the listeners. I, I'm not a fan of either quarterback at this point. I don't think either has looked real good. You know, under pressure, Blackman made – Couple of decent plays last week that I don't know if you're going to get from uh, from Horderbrook, but I think Horderbrook does have the potential to be more consistent. Although we have not really seen him, it's sort of like remember that hypothetical Horderbrook thing we were talking about. It's like okay, like we've heard about this from camp, but in games have we really actually seen it? Not not really um, potentially. So. Uh, Florida State's going to need to hit some big plays. They're going to need to avoid uh, turnovers. And I don't think you can expect to drive the football on sustained drives on Syracuse because they will eventually get a havoc play on you, get that TFL, knock you off schedule, and Florida State's offense, when it has um, when it has to go third and long, is just, I mean, a, a complete disaster, right? They are uh, 117th in the nation in, uh, in converting third and longs. And so, uh, other than that, pretty good. I was going to say that's one of those stats that uh, <laughs> you could have asked me just based off feel, and it's uh, it's it's certainly felt that in almost any mildly meaningful third and longest, whether or not Florida State's completed it. So yeah, let's try to stay out of that situation. Uh, but before we transition over to, uh, to oh, look at- I do want to point out here, I because of that, and because of the potential for interceptions and. And the pass rush that I think that Syracuse should be able to generate without blitzing, I, you almost never hear him say this, but I, I, a punt is really not that bad of a play in this game, I don't think. And for that for that reason, uh, we're about to tell you here when we, when we transition, like you were about to say, to uh, to Syracuse's offense. Uh, yeah, let's do transition and uh, and talk about maybe a, a slightly more favorable matchup, but. Uh... Before we do that, let's uh, talk about maybe the most favorable matchup that we've been able to make, and that is to be paired with uh, with the people at Madison Social and For the Table Hospitality Group. Uh, fantastic in uh, so many ways. Great partners. Um, just want to take the time and thank them and uh, plant the bug in the back of your mind if you have a office event that you want catered, uh, if you're going to have a corporate event, if you're going to have a large party they can do upwards of uh events five six seven hundred people if need be and uh work directly with the the same guy that we've been fortunate to work with so so uh for such a long time that's matt thompson his email address is matt at for the table hospitality.com again matt thompson and his email address is matt at for the table hospitality.com all right, so uh, let's talk a little bit here about the Syracuse offense. Uh, it will look somewhat similar to uh, what Florida State has because Dino Babers comes from the uh, the, the Baylor tree, which I'd be interested in, in how much uh, each offensive coordinator slash head coach here is able to help his defense this week because I'm sure what, what these teams are running uh, is pretty familiar to, to the other uh, coordinator. 
slash HC in this game. Um, and obviously, I think I think Bryles and uh, um, and Babers were actually coaches on the same staff at one point and certainly know each other. Uh, so pretty interested there. However, uh, neither of these offenses look at all like those old Baylor offenses in terms of effectiveness. This is the worst offense um, that Florida State will have played, I think. Now, you might tell me Louisiana Monroe. I didn't actually check that one, so I might pull that up here real quick. No, ULM actually rates better uh, than, than Syracuse does. Now, UVA is actually kind of close in terms of like how like really bad offenses FSU's played, but it is important to note here that UVA was a very good success rate offense relative to its explosive. It's just a total inability to hit explosive plays. Now, of course, what did Florida State's defense do then in that game? Like, oh, well, we better take away these explosive plays that UVA never, ever hits, <laughs> right? And they just allowed UVA to have, have successful short plays all over the field and always stay good down in distance. Syracuse, not so much. They are really not that good in success rate. They are 123rd in the nation. Ingram, as a reminder to the audience, how many teams are there in the country? 130. 130. So there are only seven teams that are worse than Syracuse at success rate. So they, again, Florida State's not real great at success rate. They're not 123rd. 123rd is like worse than Florida State was last year. I was going to say, these are numbers that this fan base is sadly uh, all too familiar (laughs) with. So (laughs) Now, Florida State's defense... 106th in success rate. So uh, the improbable of improbables has happened here. (laughs) Florida State's defense is going to go into this game with an edge in the success rate category. I think this is the first time this year, in fact, I can almost guarantee it, uh, that that has happened. And as a result, it kind of makes me like, in some ways, uh, how this defense matches up with Syracuse. Kind of interesting, huh? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting mix, and it's uh, and I'm sure you're probably getting there, but it, it may be the only time where you see an offensive line that's uh, quite as poor as yours, and I think that's probably directly tied to a lot of these kind of laughable stats that we're talking about. Indeed. Uh, so Syracuse, much like Florida State, if it's going to score, typically uh, is going to score on explosive plays, except I will note that Syracuse is even more dependent on explosive plays than Florida State is. Like, it never goes on sustained drives basically at all you, you can take a look at uh like I'll, I'll pull up bill Connolly's stats here you know take a look at the uh the plays per drive that syracuse has it's almost never over six and a lot of times it's like four per game which is really not not too good um they well they had some against western michigan so there's that and western michigan's not that bad of a team by uh, by by max standards uh, but, yeah, they're really, really reliant on explosive plays. So if Florida State – Florida State might want to tell Jim Levitt to sit this one out and just go back to Harlan Barnett here. And, and I'm only kind of joking. Operation uh, Because Harlan. Harlan was really good at not allowing explosive plays and really bad at everything else, it seemed like, before Levitt came. And that's all you need to do in this game, I think. It's just don't allow the big plays and dare Syracuse to – be consistent and competent. And every team that has done that to them, guess what? They've won that gamble. Syracuse has not won a game against a Power 5 team this year. They beat Western Michigan. They beat Liberty. They beat Holy Cross. 
Maryland actually dump trucked them 60 to 23. Now that was a weird game for for Syracuse. I I don't think they knew what was coming from from Maryland at all. Clemson got them 41 to 6. That that game is kind of weird to watch. Syracuse just blithed its butts off. And then Clemson eventually hit the big plays to to crush them there uh by by 35 in the dome. Um NC State and Pitt they they scored ten points and then twenty points and some of those points against Pitt were a little garbage timey uh, with with some referee helping there. The trend I see here and and obviously oh finishing drives by the way Florida State is forty first on defense and finishing drives they've actually been fairly decent in the red zone. Syracuse eighty ninth in finishing drives so not shocking here that an offense that's ninetieth overall is not real good at finishing off drives with touchdowns but. I think it does speak to the need for Syracuse to score on explosive plays or not at all, which would fit with kind of my idea in this game, which is don't give up the explosive play, you know. Let's talk about the run game a little bit, Edgar. Let's do. Let's uh, let's move to the run game. Um, it's just a, a woefully bad offensive line, as we talked about. Some of the more glaring statistics are in the past game, but uh, run game is uh, kind of – kind of horrible as well um and it and it really kind of starts at the quarterback uh, devito certainly an athletic prospect at times but has had his own uh failings throughout the year and then the backup or at least the guy who it looks like may be playing is a uh, six foot five gentleman who is i wouldn't label him as quite a statue but he's a He's a massive target, and I just go into all this to say that basically, whereas last year they were getting a lot of use out of Dungy's legs, uh, they are getting virtually no contribution from the quarterback uh, position at all this year in the run game. This is something, by the way, if you go back to our preseason preview, I I think we, like our worst-case scenario for the Syracuse team, we kind of nailed. It was like, all right. The run game won't be won't be as good because they they won't have Dungy's legs. Uh, they won't pick up the third downs like like he like he, man, he was so good at scrambling around and either either chucking it or or just diving forward to the marker and getting it with with no regard for his own safety. Uh, I, I really I, they miss his legs a whole lot. I actually think their running backs are okay. I, I know that that your yards per carry uh, as a team this year have been bad, but I think. That is, in some ways, kind of surface level analysis because in college you got to remember uh, that counts sacks, right? And of course, Syracuse leads the nation in sacks allowed. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find find where it shows yards lost uh, for sacks. Uh, you're certainly right to the college stats should back that out. But just to give you an idea, when Bud talks about pedestrian yards per carry, uh, Syracuse ran the ball against Pitt 51 or 34 times. Syracuse walked away with 51 yards. That's a that's a clean 1.5 yard per carry. That's atrocious. And that's uh, that's been pretty much par for the course from them this year. Do you know how many sacks they allowed in that game? Uh, I believe they allowed eight, and I only know this because I saw uh, David Hale tweeted out that isn't that the tide? Uh, let me see what exactly what it said. Since 2004, only SMU in 2014 had given up eight, uh, eight sacks to three straight Power 5 teams, and Syracuse matched that mark last week. Yikes. I think that was one of those um... – SMU June Jones teams on on the back end, or maybe right at the beginning. Um, so if you look at the at the rushing yards, though, this is kind of interesting to me. 
if you look at their backs against Pitt, and Pitt does a great job of, of, of stopping the run, and Pitt almost dares you to hit explosive plays, right? And Syracuse did. They hit like a 94-yarder, and I think they had an 80-yarder, and, and it's like, Pitt, what, what, what are you doing? I actually bet uh, over 54 and a half uh, for the what will the longest touchdown be in this game simply because, not in this game, but in that game, because I figured they would, they would dare Syracuse to hit explosives. You're right, Mo Neal, uh, seven carries for 22 yards in that game. Sean Riley, uh, three for six. Really have not had a ton of, of success running the football against P5 teams. Um, you're, you're exactly right. Like Mo Neal, eight for 31 against NC State. Uh, Abdul Adams, seven for 17. I'm just looking at the backs to see what we can le- what we can learn from these guys when they have their, you know, their sack yardage taken out. Um, my guess is that they ran all over Western Michigan. Let me pull it out, out here. Yeah, uh, so 123 from Neal in that game, 31 from from uh, from Adams, uh, 19 from Jarvion Howard. It's a great it's a great point by you that, that when they when they play a P5 uh, D line, they they really do seem to struggle uh, in the run and pass game. So, Florida State's run defense this year ranks 39th in the country, kind of creeping up there. But that's not really that surprising, I guess, when you think about the personnel. Dontavious Jackson's actually been playing much better in the last three weeks. He'll be out for this game uh, with a uh, injury, according to Coach Taggart. So that'll be uh, interesting to watch there. How uh, how Florida State replaces him probably with Leonard Warner. I thought you got a good game out of Emmett Rice last time, so maybe uh, maybe he'll be able to step up again. So success rate rush defense. This is something Florida State has not been any good at. Ninety fourth allowed. <sighs> But I will say this, Cuse is worse. Cuse is worse, 119th in the nation in success rate running. So if Cuse runs the ball on first down, throw your hands up. That is awesome, right? Because they're basically just throwing away a down. They, they, they're they terrible at, at getting ahead of chains with, with, with the run game. 119th in the country. That's, that's real bad. Uh, now, Cuse is decent at creating explosive runs. They will gash you once in a while. They're 39th in the country in that. But you know what Florida State almost never does, Ingram? They almost never allow explosive runs. 14th in the nation. So, And, and that's something like this is where the, where the stats really match up with, with our eyes, right? It's the one thing that they really have gotten cleaned up and then you can give them full credit for for addressing after the, the first two games. Uh, Florida State's, uh, at least in the run game, stop just giving away massive chunks and uh, expect that to certainly be the case with uh, – with the subject matter that we've talked about all night when it comes to Syracuse's offensive line and uh, Florida State's defensive line. Not great at getting people on the ground uh, when they're the quarterback, uh, and that'll happen when you're playing three defensive tackles, um, but really good against uh, preventing the, uh, any kind of run game getting going, and I would expect that only to continue on Saturday. I totally agree. All right, Edgar, so we know what Florida State needs to do. Now, you know what our listeners need to do. That's right. They need to call 844-FSU-LOAN or visit FSUHomeLoans.com to get hooked up with Shannon Young. Shannon Young's the best loan guy in the business. I should know. He helped me do loan for my home. Great rate, great customer service, 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. They also have the Hamilton for Heroes program. No fees for police, fire, military, uh, etc. Go check them out. That's Resolution Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN. Let's talk a little Syracuse pass game. Yikes. Pretty ugly situation. <laughs> we don't know who their quarterback's going to be in this game. I, I think it is important to point that out. 
Um, so Tommy DeVito has been injured in the last two games against both NC State and Pitt. They, they roughed him up pretty good. Clayton Welch, who is their uh, their backup, actually had a uh, shoulder injury or collarbone injury, it looks like, but it's not his throwing shoulder. Uh, but he was definitely kind of grimacing a little bit in that game against Pitt. Uh, and so I, I don't know if he's fully healthy either. Interesting to see what will happen there with those guys. I, I do think that DeVito is a better thrower. As you mentioned, Welch is, is huge and kind of a battering ram. And, and if he's healthy, I would expect they would run him probably more. Not not that DeVito can't run, but he's just not a dangerous runner in the mold that Eric Dungey was for them last year. Uh, one difference, though, that I, that I think is important is that while we while we noticed there was a huge difference in sack rate for, for like Cuse's D and, and FSU's O-line, well, Cuse's O-line is real bad in sack rate allowed, 127th, but Florida State's sack rate on defense is atrocious. They, they don't get to the passer. This is something we knew was a major worry coming into the year, right, with Kando being an unknown, Robinson being a bit of an unknown, uh, and kind of a lack of, of quality pass rush uh, ability behind them on the depth chart. And so this is something we've been we've been watching for, and it has not really happened. Now, we'll see if – I think Janarius could have a big game here. These are probably the worst offensive tackles he's faced all year, with the exception of maybe ULM. They They lost both their starting tackles last year, and then in the preseason, one of their projected tackles went down. If you could take a time machine to August 2018, I am very familiar with this story because it happened here last year, and there's just not a whole lot you can do about it. They have a redshirt freshman at one tackle and then a a grad transfer who is uh, not that good at the other one. Carlos Federello and Ryan Alexander, and they're very much kind of spoken of in the same – tone and tenor that perhaps uh, names like Bellow and uh, Williams roll off the, the tongues of Florida State's fans. Exactly. Uh, so DeVito's numbers this year, not real good. Um, yeah. So yards per attempt, 5.5. Not, not the best there. Um, when you're 127th in the nation in sack rate, and they have played some good defenses, there's no doubt, right? Clemson is a, is a really good defense. Pitt's a really, really good defense. And NC State's a better defense than Florida State's is. You're going to get sacked a lot in those games. And, indeed, that's where a lot of their sacks came. They also got sacked a lot by Maryland. I do think Florida State has the ability to sack DeVito here or Welch. And I think they have the ability to get some pressure up the gut that there may be some other teams have not done – you know, quite as good a job of against them. Although I thought NC State did a pretty good job of this when, when I was watching them. But man, 5.5 yards per attempt is bad. Welch, his number of attempts is just too small for us to actually hone in on. It's also extremely skewed because of a 97-yard kind of prayer or 93-yard prayer of a touchdown that he threw out of his own end zone that ended up uh, – Ended up going to the house, so uh, didn't mean to interrupt you, but his his stats aren't won't blow you away. And when you factor in uh, a one ninety seven yard shot, they're they're even more pedestrian. Now I will say this: uh, this this makes it real easy for us, Edgar, because I can recalculate his yards per attempt without that. Real easy. He has twenty seven throws for a hundred. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking. A substantial drop-off in throwing from from Welch to uh, – or from DeVito to Welch, if it is indeed Welch who goes. I, I would not expect that Syracuse will have as much throwing success in this game. 
uh, as it has when DeVito's been healthy and they really haven't had that much. There is some stuff to worry about here with, with the explosiveness of the receivers. I think Jackson and Harris are both uh, legitimately explosive. They do throw the ball to Neal a pretty good bit, so uh, watch for him out of the backfield. But this is something that I think Florida State's defense should be able to handle, uh, particularly if they just don't allow the explosive, because it's not like Syracuse's pass game is consistent in any way. They're, they're not. They're 110th in passing success rate. Like that's something that Florida State should be able to handle somewhat. I would I would think. I'm sure they'll try to attack the linebackers and, and, and the safety some, but FSU gets Thompson Asheldine back, and they didn't have him against Wake Forest, but for what a one play, two plays, it, it wasn't, wasn't long. Kind of feeling like Homs is in the Keith Mar- uh, Marshall mode, where we just need to enjoy every snap that we have uh, with him on the field. So uh, you're right, yeah, Homs is back in and. Uh, It'll be interesting. Syracuse's offensive line's given up 35 sacks so far through the year. That's an absolute absurd number. And uh, Florida, State's, <laughs> Florida State's defensive line is not necessarily designed to uh, to get a ton of sacks, but you think that that might change a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see if you see not necessarily any type of exotics, but uh, what they kind of draw up to try to put pressure on the exterior, the outside part of that line as it is. Uh, very almost Florida State esque in its uh, futility. So, um, twenty nine of those thirty five have come in their four games against P five teams: Maryland, Clemson, NC State, Pitt. It, there does seem to be a bit of a like a covariance issue for the Syracuse offensive line, and by that I mean like some teams are are generally like okay, whatever. Like we'll just suggest how effective they are relative to who they play. It does kind of look like when Syracuse plays a D-line that has some some studs on it, they kind of fall apart, uh, which is not totally different than what Florida State's offensive line uh, looks like. And if you watch Syracuse, it does look like last year's O-line for mm-hmm. Florida State. Right. I mean, yeah. this could be interesting. <laughs> it's good. Uh, both of these offensive lines are just comically horrible. So uh, it, it'll be fun I want to, to bet watch. the under in this game so bad. <laughs> but, like, the potential for turnovers and strip sacks and, like, defensive touchdowns is just – it's off the charts. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to break this game down when you look at it for, for the – advantage that Florida State should have uh, with its interior defensive line going up against Syracuse's offensive line. Uh, it's it's basically carbon copy that with Syracuse. You're just looking more at their ends and Florida State's tackles. Uh, you're right that there's kind of some shared football DNA uh, on both of these teams when it comes to their offensive approach to the game. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to look at and try to get an idea as to how Saturday goes. I think the uh, the loser of this game is probably going to have the honor of being the worst de- or worst offensive line in the ACC, uh, with the exception of Georgia Tech. Who really, I mean, they're they went back to that option stuff to beat Miami. Well, was I was going to say it was good enough to beat Miami, the team that we had talked all year about that you just need to remove from the conference in general and conversation and comparisons. Good enough for him to uh, not beat the Citadel. But it uh, was good enough for him to beat Miami. So good on you, Georgia Tech. They're a funky team to figure out, Georgia Tech is, because it's like, okay, are they actually going to try to like like run their newly installed offense this game, or are they trying to win the game? Because there's a big difference. If they try to run that new stuff, they're, they're not winning anything. Okay, the other reason why I don't want to bet the under in this game necessarily is uh, 
is tempo. Florida State runs at a pretty high tempo. Syracuse also wants to run at a really high tempo. If they do start to find some success, this game could get you know, fairly high scoring there. I'm not sure how much success they will find. We'll see. Here's another cool stat for you. You know, three of the games Florida State plays this year, uh, the opponent that they play will have just played or pit either in the game right before or the game two games before. Virginia opened the year with Pitt and then had a uh, had an FCS game and then they played Florida State. In this case, Syracuse played Pitt last week and then next week Miami will actually just come off the game against Pitt. And Pitt runs a defense that is pretty similar to the one that Florida State, in theory, uh, runs because our doozy at Pitt was the defensive coordinator at Michigan State. So I wonder if uh, if, if Harlan Burnett did maybe didn't you know. Ask a little about uh, what, what you thought about the Syracuse um, defense. And I wonder like if that conversation happened, just uh, just how hard Pitt laughed when, when they discussed the Syracuse offensive line. <laughs> well. So, oh, by the way, I do think that Florida State will be able to successfully rep what Syracuse does in practice because, A, they run a similar scheme, and, B, Florida State can just have its starting offensive line go out there and say, be like, yeah, "Hey, go this is this is actually like you guys. Go let the, get let's the go one z one. This is a, it's, <laughs> it's what it's going to look like on Saturday. Probably let uh, let the ones get a couple extra snaps in. Definitely. Wow, what a oh my gosh, what a horrible horrible thing to watch. But uh, yeah, um, you want to move to our our goal section here? The the wildly popular, recently new and added. Uh, Goal. Uh, I think this gives it a nice little perspective as to what people could look for. Yeah, I, I think if Florida State outgains Syracuse by by a full yard per play, um, that'll that'll be a, a a thing to to watch for. A thing to watch for. Of course, it'll be a thing to watch for. But I, I don't know why I said it like that. But that that's a good indication. So I'm going to say for FSU, like five and a quarter, and Syracuse four and a quarter. Um, I know that seems low on both sides, but Again, Syracuse's offense has been real bad, and Florida State, I I just don't know how in the hell they're going to block both these defensive ends for Syracuse. Like, like it's not normal that you have two matchups, both on the edges, that are, are real bad matchups for you. Um, so lower point you know, yards per play on, on for both teams. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean low scoring because both teams do run a pretty high tempo. Uh, that, 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 those would be my goals for, uh, for yards per play. The field of family law is, is really broad and encompasses a lot of topics, right? Going through a divorce, dividing property, alimony, child support visitation, problems enforcing the terms of an existing order, want to modify a prior visitation or support order, maybe need a prenup, questions about adoption, dealing with acts of alleged domestic violence, wanting to file an appeal of a final judgment. Travis Johnson is the guy to go to, one of only 280 board-certified family law attorneys in the state of Florida and a proud supporter of the Nolcast, Travis has over a decade of experience in the field of family law, 850-435-9919. That's Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm, 850-435-9919. You want to go uh, predictions on it? Yeah, I think let's we'll move to prediction time. I think it's uh I think it's my turn to go first if uh yes. if there is such a thing. Um I'm going to go Florida State 31 to 16 here. Woo! Damn. Yeah. You're you're liking the meltdown for Syracuse's offense. I'm thinking I'm thinking there's a a nice day for Florida State's defense. Yes. 
one of the few fond memories that we will be able to enjoy from a recent time. You may be right, man. Like I, I, I wonder if uh, if Syracuse doesn't just come out and try a bunch of wildcat stuff and and, and all this other stuff. There's also rumors of a, of a potential like kind of, of I don't know if a falling out of that, but there there seemed the relationship between Devito and ba- and Baber seems to have soured, or at least uh, that's the perception from some of their media, maybe. Um, who knows? We'll see. It, it seems like a team in turmoil and a a team that has uh, a lot of the very same real glaring weaknesses that we have uh, suffered over the past year and a half. Interesting. I know they're also thinking about maybe uh, – I, I listened to this on a Stephen Bailey podcast. He works for one of the Syracuse newspapers up there. I don't actually know which one, but I, I follow him on Twitter. Uh, he was mentioning a potential for an offensive line shovel for them, maybe moving the center to left tackle and, and the left tackle to center and – if that happens, man, that's a that's a hell of a first game to work at center with uh, with Marvin Wilson uh, lined up uh, near you and and Robert Cooper and whatnot. I, I think that's very possible that 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 happens. I'm going to go Ford State 31, Syracuse 23. Now, that's a lot of field goals for Syracuse. I I don't think they're a very good red zone offense, but I I think this game. I'm hesitant to bet this under the total, even though the numbers say I probably should uh, with that, simply because I think the potential for, like, the the sacks that you don't recover quite often are, um, are like, like fumble sixes, or excuse me, like, like quarterback fumbles or whatnot, because nobody else knows that you fumbled, right? Every, every, all, all the offense does not have their eyes on you. Well, if Syracuse does have the itch to fumble – Make sure it's uh, when they're on punt return because there's just something that's just written in the stars that Florida State is to recover. Uh, no ball that hits the ground. I think they've had six, maybe seven this year that the opposing team's uh, punt returner has either dropped or otherwise in some manner put on the ground and 0 for 7 so far. So Syracuse actually is a tie for 12th in the nation in fumble recoveries with seven. Now, Florida State also has seven fumble recoveries on the year. But Syracuse has recovered seven of 10 fumbles, and Florida State has recovered seven of 15. So if you're thinking, man, Florida State's kind of been unlucky this year uh, with with their fumbles, um, yeah, you're you're not wrong. Um, Florida State uh, also, where are they at here as far as fumbles lost? Yeah, Florida State uh, has, has lost a good number, too. Um, Cuse, I think Cuse had recovered most of theirs. Okay, so similar numbers as far as offense losing it, but Syracuse has recovered a larger percentage of the fumbles that their opponents have had in their games. And yeah, fumbling punts is uh, is something you can do with with impunity uh, against Florida State because you'll just you'll get them right back. It's written in the written in the code somewhere that you are to get that ball back uh, regardless. Oh. So 31-23 uh, for me and. Or 31 23, 31 24. I think 23. And you went 31 16? Yes. Hey, 31. Man, if Florida State gets to 30, I feel very confident about their ability to win the game. I do not think that they're going to give up more than 30 points to the Syracuse offense. Also, there is potential for weather in this one. Um, Weather, as far as affecting scoring, typically rain does not affect scoring that much. People think it does. It's about the wind that, that, that comes with the rain. Uh, rain can actually, if you don't get a lot of rent, if you don't get a lot of wind with it, can actually make a, make a game be a little bit higher scoring there. Um, 
We should probably get to some uh, get to some questions here. We've got some good questions to uh, jump into. The first one comes from uh, Jonathan, our Patreon supporter. We'll uh, encourage anybody that has an interest in further supporting the Nolcast to uh, patreon.com backslash Nolcast, and we're uh, happy to have you in any capacity possible. Jonathan asks, would you say FSU's best performance this year might be the UVA game, or do they seem to be improving uh, despite the losses? Okay, so if I was going to rank their their games this year, I, it's probably NC State, I would think, right? They they won by 18 points. They 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 played uh their most complete game offense and defense, right? The Virginia game, they played really well on offense relative to how good of a defense UVA is. I mean, they they gave UVA all they wanted in that game. I know they only scored 24, but like they that was a that was in my opinion, that was Florida State's best offensive game of the year. Mm-hmm. But defensively, Florida State was not any good because UVA's offense sucks, and they were just Florida State's defense was not was comically bad in that game. So I'm going to go with the NC State game because it's the only one to me where I feel like they had a really good offensive and defensive performance in the game. Every other game, I can kind of point to and say, okay. Like against Wake, the defense played out of its mind relative to normal expectations, and they lost because the offense just totally uh, let them down. And you know, against Clemson, mostly it was the defense that was letting them down. Some, at, at least, like before garbage time. Um, although, you know, it's not like Florida State did anything offensively either. So that was in some ways a complete game, just in the opposite direction. I, I, I think probably NC State is. Uh, is the one to point to there? I, don't, I wouldn't go in, in any other direction. Uh, yeah, so no using in uh, me mulling anything else over. Second question from Jonathan is, am I nuts in thinking uh, that at some point uh, recruiting in the offensive skill positions is going to be impacted by the lack of quality in place uh, at offensive line and quarterback at Florida State? No, I, I don't. I don't think he's nuts at all. Um, although I do think the extent to which it could be uh, is uh, is not really about the offensive line and quarterback recruiting because, like, they're they're able to point to a guy like a Jeff Sims and hey, we just brought in you know three three linemen last year and two the year before and or three the year before and we're like we're already starting Dante Lucas and you guys know Jeff Sims that type of thing. Now, the reputation of Florida State's offensive line as an offensive line doesn't block anybody is well-earned and definitely hurts them on the recruiting trail. In fact, we've had people email us, not from the school, but like fans, like, oh, why would you say they have a bad offensive line? It's going to hurt the recruiting. I was like, well, because if I lie to everybody, then then all of our listeners leave and everybody with eyes can see that these guys aren't good. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are not the uh, the containers of that message, sir. That can and has been delivered by other people, I, I promise you. Yeah, uh, in other schools, for sure. So eventually, yes, uh, I think you can, ar- you can argue that it probably already does somewhat, but you always have the ability to sell hope for the most part, especially at a, at a certain position. So um, certainly possible there. Josh Nichols asks, uh, with the poor quarterback play from Blackman and Hornibrook, why is there no chatter about putting Jordan Travis in the mix? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think the situation gets any better. I, I don't. Again, this is not a, a situation that gets resolved by pieces on the roster. Uh, I am, you know, wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see some. Uh, 
I don't know, wildcat. But if you don't see a little bit more of exotics in place with some of the stuff that they do. Uh, but you've just got two quarterback options, Joshua, and both of them are pretty mediocre. So I, I don't know that there's a, a great pick out there, and I don't know that there's a great alternative outside of those two either. Yeah, I'm not going to rule out Jordan Travis for the long term of, of being able to have some kind of impact. But for this year, like it's his first year in the offense. He's not like a, like an upperclassman coming in like 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 Hornerbrook was. I, I I just I don't think he's an option to run the offense right now. I, I I don't think that he has picked it up like the other two guys have. All right, uh, Glenn uh, Glenn Shiver says, "Why do you think Taggart is sticking with Blackman? Is he just try, is is he just trying to see how many games he can lose?" <laughs> Just trying to get to that buyout earlier, I guess, huh? Uh, you know, Glenn, just, just a man with that a, check. a very similar sense of humor. Absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, again, cut and paste from what I just – I just – there's there's not a – I'm afraid there's not a great option here. And uh, there does seem to be some kind of loyalty with uh, with Willie to, to James, I would guess. I've not had anybody tell me this, but I would just guess from afar that a little bit of that is uh, – is some loyalty to James for being in the locker room and uh, sticking with him the way he handled parts of last year and the uh, kind of aspect of what he's done in the locker room. But that doesn't mean that you play any better or that you uh, you know put your teammates in any better position to perform. So uh, that's just a man's guess. And again, flawed, flawed individuals, uh, unfortunately, both of your options. When it comes to players, anyways, I'm not talking about them as people. Obviously, I, I think I think you're right on that. Um, the other thing is like Hornerbrook has just not played well, right? Like we've we've actually had this going on a lot in like the Tomahawk Nation comment section. People are like, oh, Hornerbrook's played so much better. I'm like, not not really. No, actually, if you look at it, he's he's not. Uh, he, he's had some passes that that ended up going for touchdowns that were really kind of poorly thrown. And the guarantee when they grade him, they would have graded him as negative, right? Um, but they ended up being touchdowns, whereas James has had some that are touchdown quality and didn't end up being touchdowns for drops or you know defender makes some kind of crazy play or something. I also think there's an element of like tr- making sure the, if Willie's going to succeed here long term, it's not really about 2019. Now there's an element of don't go five and seven because then some booster might go crazy enough to you know, to actually stroke a check, right? But a lot of it's about 2020. And if Willie's going to succeed in 2020 as opposed to just having kind of a, you know, run out the clock before they buy him out type year, which is possible, he's going to need a quarterback. And and I don't think that a true freshman is necessarily going to be the answer there in year one, obviously, because if you're a true freshman, you're in year one. That's, that's a bit of a an obvious thing there. Um, but, like, man... I, I think you you need you need Blackman to be better in uh, in 2020, whereas Hornerbrook's not going to be here unless you go get a transfer, which is possible. But if you're a transfer, do you really want to come play behind this offensive line? Don't know. Jeffrey circles back to a question that he had posed to us earlier uh, on the bye week, and that was. Curious what you all think. Let's assume the last two wins are an illusion uh, and Florida State proceeds to get stomped by Clemson, loses to an upstart wake, and then loses to Syracuse in disheartening fashion to sit at three and five. Disheartening that would be, Jeffrey, you're correct. Does the team quit on Willie Taggart? 
And are we looking at finishing four and eight, five and seven? Or do you think they'd still play for him and grit out at least uh, <laughs> enough wins to become all eligible, which would uh, mean that you either get a win over UF or UM? So this is interesting to me. Um, I don't think they would quit on him necessarily. We've had situations this year where they could have quit. They they started one and two on a season that had decent expectations. They they could have quit there. Uh, they've had a they've had opportunities to quit after after Clemson, you know, just crushed them. But they they didn't quit there. They well, we'll see if they if they've quit this weekend. I don't I don't think they have. Uh, I I don't think this team's going to quit. I, I I would be a little bit surprised if they did in some ways. Um, now. Like there's some consistent things about this team. Willie Taggart will mismanage games. This team does seem to play hard for Willie Taggart, right? The offensive line will not block people. The defense will allow successive consecutive, you know, successful plays, but not allow the the home run very often. So far, they they just keep playing hard for him, uh, which which is good. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I I'm not really buying into the quit thing right now. Whereas last year's team. They legitimately had some kids on that team who I think were very, very quit types. Let's see. Mr. CP asks, instead of going to the donors for a buyout, how about just betting against Florida State to cover the spread the last five games? Hopefully Willie Taggart can pull things together and all is good. If not, easy hedge. Who's in? Well, the problem is Florida State uh, might be an underdog against Boston College and Miami, so they could actually cover the spread while still losing the game. And so then, uh, if you're betting against them to cover the spread, you would have lost the bet, and then you're still, you're, and you would still need the money for the buyout. So then you're really like you've you've Polish middled yourself, right? That's a that's a gambling term, by the way. That's not like a uh, <laughs> anyway. Google it. I'll, I'll, All buds I'll out here it. throwing around Eastern European uh, verbal wrath. But uh, uh, last question comes from Dane, and he asks, if FSU needs to play Moneyball to compete with college football's elite, should Florida State promote Bryles to head coach? This way, they lock in the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. So uh, my answer would be No. If you talk to people who work at these search firms, and I've talked to some because they're out there at the coaching conventions every year, which I, I usually go to um, after the All-Star Games, right? Go to the Under Armour game and then the Army game. And then I usually go out there to San Antonio or Nashville or, or wherever they have it for that year. They will tell you that there is a real problem uh, when you hire assistants and their, their failure rate is sky high. Now, I think Florida State runs the risk of making this mistake because Jimbo worked out, but Jimbo had some really unique scenarios like where he actually got to sit and observe for three years and kind of be the head coach and waiting. And back before they closed up that loophole, he could actually go and recruit under the assistant visitation rules, as opposed to, you know, the head coach visitation rules, uh, which would allow him to form really great bonds with some of these kids who you know, he would later go on to sign. Now, nowadays you can't do that. Uh, if you're head coach and waiting, you are governed by the head coach visitation rules for recruiting purposes. But, no, I, I would strongly, strongly recommend hiring somebody if Florida State does make a hire. I mean, eventually they, they'll make a hire, right? Like, I mean, nobody coaches forever. When the next hire comes. Hire somebody with definitely. head coaching experience. Like, I do not want a coordinator. I, I, for every coordinator you, t- you show me that works out, I can show you one uh, that 
that's a major mistake and, and is a real failure. And the failure rate for coordinators is a lot higher than it is for guys with head coaching experience because you, you don't have that learning on the job element there. So the last podcast that we did uh, seemed to be received well. There was a good bit of conversation about it. I just want to clear up a, a couple things that were said there. Um, the silver circle that we talked about where you were uh, had to pledge a million dollars over five years. So on average, you had to give somewhere at least 200000 uh, And then we talked about Florida State's legacy level, which is 25000 and above. It's worth pointing out that people in that legacy circle – don't just give 25000 Some give much more, uh, I'm sure. Um, and also that that's twenty five a year. I saw some people that where they thought we said that's five years uh, at $5,000 to get there. No, that's twenty five k per year. Um, also want to give some a little bit of clarity that, uh, as we know, Florida State, and I think justly so, is very proud to compete across the board that the numbers that we were giving from Georgia's perspective is uh, those are football only pledges. It's called the, I think the bulldog club or something like that. So uh, much more focused on uh, the sport that kind of surrounds the context of the conversation that we have. And I wanted to end on a positive note. It's not just nothing, but crazy disparities. Uh, We've wrenched, we mentioned, uh, the McGill Society, which is a $5,000 pledge uh, for five continuous years, so a $25,000 gift broke at least that's broken over five years. Um, when you look at Florida State's numbers and you look at the Golden Chiefs and the Silver Chiefs, the two things kind of overlap. Uh, Georgia has 1,050 of the McGill Society people. When you look at Florida State's Golden and Silver Chiefs, uh, they've got, I think, 919 silvers and 791 golds, and the two giving circles kind of overlap there. So when it comes to that class of donor, kind of the 4500 to $7,000 a year, uh, Florida State's just as well represented as Georgia is. The real disparity is in the uh, kind of the ultra-rich, uh, the, the massive donor class that just hasn't been built up over time. So uh, wanted to give a little bit more perspective as to some of the numbers that we referenced on uh, Tuesday's pod. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, five stars on iTunes if you've enjoyed the show. Uh, really appreciate that. Patreon.com slash Nolcast if you'd like to support us additionally there. And uh, tell your friends about us. We will be back with the instant reaction following Florida State's uh, hopeful win against Syracuse. And, and look, I, I know we said to start the show, but if, if you get this win, and it's probably the easiest remaining FBS game you have, if you get this win, then I think you feel a lot better about, about your bowl chances. So go get the win.